Welcome to Project Healing, a podcast about growth, authenticity, and difficult conversations. Here, you'll find a mix of real-life experiences, inspiring humans, and some spiritual insight. I'm your host, Jenna Krasinski, and I believe that we truly have to feel our pain in order to heal it. Community is a huge part of the process of healing, and I invite you to come along and dance through the ups and downs of life. This is Project Healing. Welcome back to Project Healing. I'm your host, Jenna Korzynski, and today I have a friend with me. My friend Ashley M., intuitive psychic medium, is here jamming out with me. Say hello, Ashley. Hi, everybody. Ashley, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Yes. Um, So Ashley and I met, I don't know, almost a year ago now, which is kind of crazy. And we worked together on intuitive development and we just became soul sisters real quick. It was one of those things where it just kind of clicks and we haven't been able to let go of one another. Um, So um, I wanted to talk about a pretty heavy topic. And so I reached out to um, my beautiful community to see if anybody would be brave enough to sit down with me. And Ashley jumped on the opportunity, which was amazing and incredible. But um, before we get into what that topic is, I want Ashley to take a moment to just introduce yourself and go ahead and tell us who you are, what you do, and then we'll get into the deep stuff. Well, thank you again for having me. My name's Ashley, and I'm an intuitive psychic medium. I'm able to connect with your energy, your loved ones, your spirit guides. I'm also a survivor of childhood abuse and a survivor of some other dark things as well. I really believe that you have to walk through the darkness in order to appreciate the light. So I try my best just to help others get through that darkness to get where they need to go to reach that light. Ooh, I love that. Yes. And Ashley herself is a beacon of light. As I mentioned before, I reached out to um, my beautiful community of healers just to see if anybody wanted to sit down and talk about the topic of self-harm. Self-harm is something that I struggled with for many, many years. And honestly, I still have um, those thoughts from time to time. Um, and it's something that honestly, I still witness on a regular basis because I work with teens, um, and I used to work with young adults and it's something that when you've been on the other side of it, when you've been the one in in the seat, um, doing it yourself, you notice it in other people. And I just really thought that this would be a topic that, Um, could be helpful to talk about on Project Healing because maybe, uh, of course, our listeners have experienced it, but also um, there may be a parent out there who is um, seeing it in their child or children and they don't really know what to expect with it or um, how to react or how to interact with their child when witnessing this. So I'd like to preface just this whole conversation with reminding everybody that Ashley and I 
are not professionals <laughs> in <Nope>. any capacity. <laughs> we are not doctors. Um, we are not diagnosing anybody or um, suggesting any sort of treatment at all, but we are just here to share the space and have a conversation about what our experiences looked like. And hopefully it will help somebody out there in podcast land. So <laughs> with that whole spiel said, Ashley, are you ready to dive in and share your story with us? As ready as ever. <laughs> All right. I'm just going to let you jam and then we'll debrief. The easiest way to start is growing up, you would look at my family and look at it as that picture perfect family. You know, the mom, the dad, the dog, the car, the 2.5 kids. You would think everything, we would have it all. And it was the complete opposite in our house. It was yelling and screaming and no money, no food, hydro off, the water off, the struggling. And when that happens, it's not just the parents that suffer, it's the children. So unfortunately, where did my parents turn that frustration and anger? Well, it's towards me. <laughs> So growing up, it wasn't easy. I heard things that you shouldn't hear as a child. I experienced things you shouldn't experience. And it put me into a very, very dark place and a place I never thought as a young child I would ever be in. It's nothing that any of my friends were experiencing. It was out of the normal. And I didn't know how to reach out for help. I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know why I was feeling the way I was feeling. It was a very, very confusing time. And I ended up turning to self-harm. I figured that hurting myself was easier because the physical pain was easier to understand than the emotional pain. And when it comes down to it, it really was that simple because I would rather feel that type of pain and understand where that pain was coming from, how to deal with it and how to heal from that pain. Whereas your emotional pain at that age, you can't. It ended up getting worse. And I tried to express that I needed help, but it was going unheard. And it got to one point where I was having a conversation with my mother and it ended up turning dark. So I ended up walking up to my room where I had some medical supplies for a breathing problem I had at the time. And I knew in those medical supplies, there were some needles. And I knew what a needle would do if I put it to my vein. So I took that needle, I put it all together. I took everything down. I went to the living room. I stood in front of both my mother and my brother. And I told them, essentially that was it. I couldn't do it anymore. I was tired of it, it was too much. And I put the needle close to my vein. And if it wasn't for my brother knocking it out of my hand, I would not be here. Mm -hmm. My mother turned around, told me to stop being stupid. It was essentially turned into being yelled at even more and being sent to your room. Right afterwards, my father had come home, found out what happened. So, of course, they didn't say anything, but they walked into my room, took the box of medical supplies, and took it to my grandmother's house. Nothing was ever said again. 
It was pushed back under the rug and ignored. And unfortunately, I had to struggle like that for years. And that was not the first time. And it was not the last time, unfortunately, either. How old were you when um, this particular experience occurred? I was probably around 12 or 13, very young, preteens. It was very dark. I remember even times before that thinking, oh, I'm allergic to Tylenol, so I should go take my mom's Tylenol 3s because I know what those will do to me. And so Mm -hmm. it got to the point where I think they had an idea, so they would just put the medicine in a different spot. It was never addressed, but they knew it was there and it, they just didn't care. And no one knew what to do. And at a young age, I didn't know what to do. Right. Yeah. So what I'm hearing you say is that um, it was avoided instead mm-hmm. of addressed. Um, yes. Which my situation was a bit different, but I like just think of like knowing that energy that is racing through you in those moments. And, um, you know, ultimately, and you may disagree with me, but I do feel that self-harm is a cry for help. Um, Absolutely. So knowing that you're, you're putting that cry out and it is going unanswered. I mean, that, that's, that alone is heartbreaking because, I mean, when we're self-harming, we may not have the intention of ending our lives, but we know that that's an option. Yes. That was the thing for me was that, like, I never really, okay, not never. Most often, I wasn't going at it with the intention of ending my life, but I knew that that could be what could happen if I, yeah, if I did, made the wrong move, essentially, so. Mm. Do you remember how old you were when your um, harming started? I just remember it was young, probably around 10 or 11. Like it started really early and it would start with like something so simple. Like if I could find a safety pin, I knew the point was sharp enough so I could do something and it would make a mark enough where someone would see and surely if someone would see well of course they would ask what happened and of course it didn't so it would just become to the point where it became easier to deal with it definitely i definitely agree it is a cry for help because if people aren't listening to your words you have to show them in a different way right that's the one like pattern that I've noticed over the years and just my friends that I knew, um, struggled with it as well as, um, some of the teens that I've, I've witnessed over the years, um, that have struggled with it. I find that it's usually the quiet ones, right? Like it's usually the ones that already struggle to speak you know, it, to be heard to start, you know, and anybody listening to this that's heard me or witnessed like Jenna now is probably like, oh, you were a quiet one. I absolutely was. Absolutely was. Like, y- you guys are seeing the transformed version of me. So were you like that? Were you a little bit more withdrawn um, when you were younger as well? I remember I started off really bubbly and outgoing. Mm hmm. But then, of course, everything changed and it was just, I knew I wasn't being heard. So what was the point of talking? 
Yeah. So I did, I did just kind of go within and, you know, I was my own best friend and it was Mm. just easier to do that than to have conversation with people that you knew they weren't listening to you anyway. I really resonate with that. I actually, when I try to think back, um, like when I asked you, when did it start for you? I really have no idea when I started harming. Um, I do remember that like I would like put my fists in balls so tight that like my fingernails would like leave marks on the inside of um, my palms. And I remember that that was like a stress relief for me. So I do remember kind of like making the transition of like, okay, this is not helping into like, at one point I started like pinching my wrists. Like it started like that for me. And then it turned to similar to you needles, knives. Um, I even like broke a glass mirror at one point to use because I didn't have access to anything else at that time. When I think about it now, like I, it like makes me shudder on the inside, um, especially being a parent and thinking that like, oh my goodness, you know, my kids could experience this at some point. Um, it's scary. And I want to go back to what you said in the very beginning, you said that you came from, you know, the picture perfect family, so to speak. And I think that that's a story that many of us share, um, where from the outside looking in, everything is fine. Right. Yeah. So I know for me, that made me feel like I couldn't seek outside help in a way, because how am I supposed to explain I'm struggling and there's this, 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 and this also going on for me. I felt like nobody would believe me. How do you feel about that? Oh, exactly. Because they see everything a completely different way. So how can they even believe you when you're telling them, no, the world that you see is upside down. It's nothing like what you see at all. And that's what I struggled with. You know, there wasn't anybody who could really, really believe what was going on. I did turn to my grandparents and they had an idea of what was happening, but I don't think they ever knew the full extent. I don't think anybody ever really knew because it was pushed, it was hidden, it was hushed. And, you know, there was incidents where someone would make, like say, oh, this happened, this happened, did you hear? And they're like, oh, no, 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 it didn't happen. So Mm -hmm. it's definitely that way. And I feel like there's so many people that go through that where it's like the looking glass is so distorted. It really is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And then like not knowing who to speak to as well, Mm. I think is hard. Like I actually had, I had a pretty, like my mom was always very supportive of me. Um, I I love my father. I have a good relationship with my father now, but as a child, I was kind of intimidated to go to him with certain things just because um, he had a very strong energy. So I didn't see that as like compassionate at the time. Now I'm like, he's a teddy bear and I could go to him about anything. But <laughs> as a child, I had a different view, right? Um, and then... Um, my brother, uh, that's like a whole different story. So, (laughs) um, inside my home, I didn't feel like there was anybody that I could go to. I felt like with my own mom, like I would hurt her more by telling her like how I was internalizing things. So I just continued to internalize. 
Um, and I'm right there with you that like, when I think about it now, like I've had people ask me uh, specifically my husband, like, why, why did you do that? Like you ruined parts of your body. Like, why did you do that to yourself? And the exact same answer that you had is that that physical pain was so much easier to deal with than the emotional burden that I was carrying. And for a moment in time, I could forget about whatever the hell was happening inside my crazy brain and just focus on being hurt. And that, that was so much more simple than, um, the complex kind of labyrinth that was occurring within, within my headspace. Um, so when you basically brought this to your family, um, you were punished and you were told to stop being stupid or over dramatic. Um, I'm like trying to put myself in that moment with you. And I just, I feel like for me, that would have made me go off the deep end, like even worse. So how did you kind of get yourself through those moments? I had to find strength in someone else is what it really came down to. At that time, I could not love myself. I did not know how to love myself. I didn't think I would ever love myself. So obviously I wouldn't want to be around. I didn't want to be alive. But the one thing that did keep me going was my Nana, because I knew if I had taken my life, what it would have done to her. I knew it would have destroyed her. It would have, she would have ended up the same path. It would have, our bond was so strong. I didn't want to have that burden on my soul of hurting her that much. So I kept going for her. And every day that I struggled, I just remembered how much she would struggle if I had taken my life. Mm -hmm. And it just became to the point where I had to lean on the love of others almost until I could learn to love myself. Yeah. Yeah. I had a bit of a different experience. My mom actually did pick up on it and she, I mean, I started with my arms. So, um, I had very prominent marks on my arms and what I would do is I would make like little marks that didn't break the skin a bunch of times, but then I would always do one that broke the skin and it usually broke the skin pretty good. Um, and you know, I would wear a bandaid or long sleeves or whatever. Um, and eventually she caught on and was like, what is going on with your arms? You know, and try to approach me about it. Not that way. I made that sound like she was a jerk about it. She really wasn't. <laughs> um, and I was like, oh, it's just the cat. It's just cat scratch. Just totally lied about it. Even though I had mm-hmm. that, that opportunity to speak my truth and she was warm and welcoming I froze and I instantly went to, nope, it was just the cat. And um, I remember probably two or three times that she actually approached me about it. And I always said the same thing. Um, And then I find it interesting because then I would be like bitter about the fact that she didn't follow up with me. Like she, why didn't you come back and ask more questions? You know, like, so when I think about that now, that says a lot about like where my mental state was because it was almost like to a certain extent, I was creating a lot of my own stories in my head 
um, and then living there, right? Um, and that's just because I didn't have the coping mechanisms. I really didn't know any other way to um, sort through the heaviness of what I was carrying. Um, and I did share um, that I was harming myself with my best friend at the time. And she was actually struggling with a similar situation. And so we kind of agreed that if we noticed it in each other, that we would like hold each other accountable. Mm -hmm. And that was really, really helpful for me because I knew that in that, in that moment, A, I wasn't crazy and I wasn't alone because I didn't know what I was doing, you know, like I, what made me come to this at such a young age? Um, so when I discovered that my friend was also struggling with this, we were about 13. Um, and we just decided like, we'll talk to each other. And if we noticed something on each other that we didn't go to each other about, we're going to question each other. And that really helped me a lot because, um, I knew she was like on the lookout. I was also terrified of being honest about it because I didn't know what would happen to me if I told like my doctor or my pediatrician or something. How did you feel about that? Like talking to a professional about it? Well, I remember mentioning something to my family doctor and he did the same thing. He brushed wow. it off. He brushed it off because he, he looked at me and he said, oh, you can't have depression at 13. It's impossible. You have nothing to be sad about. And so at that young age, of course, you still need to have your parent in the room. Mm. So you, you can't say much. So unfortunately, I didn't really get any kind of help until I got older. And even then, it wasn't really professional help. It was me helping myself. Yeah. Mine, like, tapered off. And then when I was, I got into a really bad relationship at about, 15 and that was finally when I you know my mom really saw me slipping and she was like okay we need to go talk to your doctor like what is going on and I was like I'm just sad all the time you know and she didn't know the root of all my issues she just knew that I was going through it and at that point I was put on um antidepressants which is interesting because I had stopped self-harming at that point and when I went on the antidepressants it actually upticked for me again. Um, I felt like I lacked the self-control that I had kind of found within um, when I was on meds. Um, and I think honestly, like now that I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking that's probably a huge reason that like I struggle with taking prescription anything for anything because of that experience that I had a, at a young age. I'm not against modern medicine at all. I've just found alternative things that work for me. Um, and when I was on whatever I was on, it did not agree with my system. And that's, a, that's a process, right. To figure out what agrees yes. with your system. And unfortunately what I was on at that time, it made my mental state worse. I was more in my head once I started meds that it was not, um, it was not healthy for me. So, um, I really found that I had to find like alternative ways to keep my mind busy and engaged and um, free myself from those thoughts. So let's talk about that. Like, how did you, like, what was your turning point? How did you start to overcome this? Oh, I think I'm still overcoming it, to be honest. I think yeah. it's something that I'll always struggle with. I think it's something that's always going to be there. Um, even now as an adult, I've been with my husband 17 years. I have two kids and it's still something that comes up in the back of my head. 
Um, but during those times when it does happen, you definitely need to step out of the moment and reflect. And I know that can be so difficult to do and it's so easier said than done. But if you could just step back and look at, even if it's a certain situation and evaluate it differently. And if you can't get out of that mindset, find something to switch your mindset, go have a hot bath, go for a long walk in the nature, go sit under the stars, go for a long drive, make some cookies with your kids, whatever it is, have a good cry with a sad movie, just get it out, shift that energy. Because when I'm in those dark places, I notice if I just get stuck in it and I don't get myself out, you're going to stay stuck in it. You have to pull yourself out of it. So you have to find ways to do that. Even if it's just something very, very small, like getting out of bed and having a shower. Absolutely. A shower can reset my energy so quickly. And for anybody that's listening, that's empathic get in the water. Seriously. It is the quickest way to cleanse your energy. And even if it only makes you feel better for the time that you're in there, at least you feel better while you're in there. Um, I think that my biggest shift, let's see here. I think that my biggest shift honestly was when I was 17, I lost one of my best friends to suicide. And that was like the wake up call that I needed. I had already had um, my own you know, experiences with that, it went beyond self-harm to the point where I did almost take my life. And um, then I lost a friend and I experienced the aftershock of that and what that feels like being on the other side of it. And in that moment, I knew that like, I couldn't put anybody else through that. and I'm the same as you, Ashley. I still, I still have the thoughts, you know, like I still, um, go to that really dark place from time to time. It's, it's a journey. And I think that for those of us that deal with this, it will be ongoing. If you've come to the other side, please email me and explain exactly how you got there because for me, yeah, right. <laughs> I'd love to know that. And if you need to come on the show and talk about that, I'd love to, um, but for me, like it's, it's a struggle sometimes still, but losing a friend to suicide and seeing that, that trickle down effect that that has that in that moment, it literally was like time stood still for me. And I went, Whoa, like I could have done this to other people. Um, and I decided right then and there never again. And as soon as I turned 18, I went and started getting myself tattooed and I got love life tattooed on my wrists. And that's just my daily reminder that even when I want to do that to myself, no, you have a reason to love every, every moment, even the hard moments. Um, And if you can't snap out of it, then um, maybe the message will help. That was like my self speaking to myself. Um, but I carry the scars with me still of what I did to myself. And it's kind of hard, you know, like being an adult and being a mom now. And I'll never forget the first time my son was tracing my scars with his finger and asked me what it was. I was like, oh my gosh. Like I looked at my husband, I'm like, what do I say? Well, that's just it. You know, we have a story to tell too, and we have to be brave enough to let our children know. 
So yeah. they can be brave enough if they go through that same situation or a situation similar that they can reach out to us. Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely correct. And I think that um, that moment with my son, he was so young at the time, so I couldn't explain anything to him then. Um, but that moment, like it made me kind of look at the whole thing again and go, whoa, you know, like you look at yourself and the places that you've been. And for me, I don't know if you feel this way, but for me, like, I can't help but just be proud of myself sometimes because it's like, yeah, I, like it's almost like battle wounds in a way. Like all of those marks are a representation of, um, those moments where I didn't think that I could keep going yet here I am. And I'm not saying that at all to glorify it at all. I don't want to say that at all. Um, I actually, the place on my arm where my scars were the baddest, I went and the baddest, the worst. <laughs> um, I went and got a tattoo over them. So I now have a beautiful tattoo um, over my worst scars. And what's funny is, you know, I love purple and green. And so when I went and got a tattooed, I was like, oh, I want purple and teal. And um, of course, I was talking with the artist about like why I was getting the tattoo. And he's like, you realize that the picture or the colors that you picked are the suicide awareness colors, right? And I was like, what? <laughs> I had no idea. I had no idea. I just was like, no, those are my colors. And he's like, well, that's weird. I'm like, okay, so there's that. Um, but um, for anybody who has a child that is going through this, like what, I mean, what advice would you offer them if they're noticing it and they're not quite sure how to respond? What did you need? Keep asking. Be there. I know it sounds so simple, but if I had my situation where instead my mother opened her arms and embraced me in a hug, told me she loved me, it would have been completely different and my path wouldn't have been so dark. Let your kids know how much you love them to the point where even if they're annoyed at you telling you to shut up, just keep doing it. Drill it in their head. And don't just let them know that you love them. Let them know you appreciate them. You value them. Because I think as parents, we also struggle to remember, to remind our, or to let our kids know as well that we don't just love them, but we're proud of them and their accomplishments and what they do and how they're growing as humans. And if I had that and I had someone just to let me know how much I was loved and someone was there, it would have been everything. Just being there is the world of the difference. Just even to hold their hand and say, hey, I'm right here if you need me. Yeah. For me too, being present I think would be my like first advice is just be present for your kids. And I mean, really present, like not like you're sitting in the same room with them, but you're on your cell phone or whatever. I mean, really engaging, doing things together. Um, we know how healing nature is. So if you think that your kid is struggling, get them outside with you and go do something together where you can talk or maybe not talk, maybe just be together in nature. Um, but I agree with you that being present is very important because I think, and I'm, I can't speak for everybody, but for a lot of us that struggle with self-harm, um, we also struggle with feeling 
um, seen and being heard. So, um, and it may be on us too. Like for a long time, I didn't know how to use my voice, but I still felt like nobody even cared to hear my voice. So why would I try? Um, so you're right. Keep asking the questions, show them that you're there for them. Um, and offer to help instead of punishing or belittling or, um, I mean, of course, I think I would freak out as a parent too, but try to freak out internally and on your own time instead of in front of your child because um, knowing where my head was at back then, I think if my parents would have freaked out in front of me, like that would have only made things worse for me because then I would have been internalizing that situation. Um, so, yeah. Anything else that you want to add about that? Don't be afraid to reach out for help yourself. Mm. And if no one's listening, go to someone else. And if they're not listening, go to someone else. And if no one's listening, reach out to one of the hotlines. Because I wish I knew about those when I was younger, because those would have helped for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And you can even like text in now, which I think is so phenomenal. Yes. Um, there are so many ways to receive help now. Um, but honestly, like we all use social media. So I agree with Ashley, like reach out for help. I mean, there is maybe there you feel there's nobody in your immediate community that will extend a hand, but there's somebody that understands your struggle and that will extend a hand when you are hurting. Um, and sometimes it doesn't come in the form of your closest friends and family. And that's okay because you can get the help wherever you need the help just so that you are well. And I think also for anybody that's listening that struggles um, internally, I just want to remind you that you're not alone in this um, just because I don't personally harm anymore and I don't believe Ashley does either no. right you're no. um, just because we are not harming anymore does not mean that we um are above it or anything <laughs> like that um it's still something that is very much alive inside of us and I I mean I can't speak for Ashley but I'm assuming um that both of us would be willing to lend an ear and allow you to vent if that is what you need. So absolutely. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, all right. We're going to change this energy up a little bit. So Ashley, thank you so much for sharing your story um, in detail and really um, pouring your heart out here because um, you know, my thought, if I can help one person, then we've done our duty. So um I feel like you helped me and I helped you just by having this conversation. So, oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> so we're Thank done. you we for allowing me. Person. That's yes. it. No, I'm <laughs> but we, we're gonna we're gonna turn the page a little bit. And typically, I do a conversation card at the end of every show. Um, but we're gonna do something a bit different. And because Ashley is also um, an intuitive psychic medium. She's going to pull a card for the collective and just give us a little mini read. And then I'm going to do the same on our way out. So, or do you want me to go first? Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? What do you want to do? It doesn't matter. <laughs> All right. You're shuffling already. You go right. first. I'll get prepped over here. <laughs> okay. Let's see what I can get for us. 
Okay. So we have spiritual evolution. So set your heart free. Oh, I love that. Yes. So this is absolutely beautiful. So this goes right hand in hand with, I believe, what we're talking about tonight. You know, reach out for help. If your heart is struggling, reach out. Don't be afraid to break through those boundaries, break through whatever you need to do to get through that light. Right here on the card, it has this beautiful man standing in this dark blue and he's going walking into the light. Mm -hmm. So I just really believe that what we need to do for the whole collective is if anybody is struggling out there right now, don't be afraid to reach out for help because you're going to go through those struggles and that is absolutely okay. That is normal. That's what makes us human. Mm -hmm. And to get through those struggles, it's okay because you're going to learn, you're going to grow and you're going to get through it and you're going to walk through that light even stronger and taller than ever. So embrace the darkness to get to the light and set your heart free. I love that. I love that. Thank you. Um, so I'm using, what deck am I using? What did I do with the top of it? Oh, I'm using my, it's bad when you don't know what deck you're using because you have that many. I'm <laughs> using my angel wisdom tarot. Um, and I, we can't make this stuff up. I got the six of air archangel Gabriel, um, which is also a blue card. <sighs> which I mean, speak, speak, speak your mind, speak what you need to heal from, speak what is hurting you, speak, speak it all, speak what is on your heart. Okay. Um, and it says the end of challenging times, things are looking up a welcome relief, finding your way to a peaceful place, the end of depression or an illness travel or relocation. And there is this image of, um, I'm perceiving them as a family. I don't know if they're a family, but it's a man, a woman, and a child in a boat. Um, and they are rowing with, um, the swords, which, you know, the wands, which is they're cutting ties to their past and they're moving forward in their life and they're flowing within the water. They're in a boat and they're flowing within the water, um, to that new destination, which for some of us, the new destination is a new way of thinking, of things, right? Reforming our thoughts and recognizing that we can view life as the black hole or we can view life as that light at the end of the tunnel. What is it that we choose? Um, but either way, in this card, there are storm clouds in the background and the skies are clearing. Um, so the storm is already behind you. You've already faced 100% of the horrible days that you've lived through so far. You've already faced them. You've already survived them. So now it's time to keep rowing forward. Keep cutting ties to things that are no longer serving you. And make sure that you are protected. The mother and child here are wrapped in a blanket. Um, and I just have to point this out. The best way to protect yourself is to set boundaries for yourself. So Absolutely. I think that this is like, you know, when... Those of us that have faced struggles, I bet you the common narrative is that, how did we come out of it? Oh, we set some boundaries. We put our foot down and we readjusted and realigned ourselves. And that's exactly what this card is telling us to do and letting us know that there are brighter days ahead, which is just a beautiful and very appropriate message for our conversation today. So love I it. love how those both align. <laughs> just perfect. <laughs> yes. 
Absolutely. I'll have Ashley send me a photo of her card and we will post those in the Project Healing Patreon um, so that those of you that are in the Patreon can um, view the cards. And um, if you guys want to connect with Ashley, please reach out to her. All of her information is in the show notes so you can link up with her, get yourself a reading, have a conversation. Her words are extremely healing. And I know that firsthand because she's read for me before and she is incredibly talented. Mm -hmm. So seek her out. Um, and Ashley, any final words? Thank you so much for allowing me to come on and for this space to share my story. And I just want anybody to know if they're struggling out there and if you can't find anybody to talk to, feel free to reach out to myself and I will gladly just even listen if that's all you need. Awesome. Ashley, thank you so much for being here, being vulnerable, being the amazing you that you are. Um, and thanks everyone for listening and I'll catch you guys next time on Project Healing. Thank you for listening to Project Healing. If you'd like to connect with any of my guests, please check the show notes for their contact information. If you are loving the show, I'd be honored if you would head over to iTunes or Facebook to leave me a review. If you'd like to support the show, you can head to patreon.com backslash project healing and learn about my different patron tiers and how you can support the show and also invest in yourself and your healing process. Remember, you have to feel your pain in order to heal it.